Hello, hello. Welcome to Too Legit to QT. I'm your host, Narquea Connor, and today I am so excited because I am with the director and star of the film Overrun, Omid Zader and Josh Tessier. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello. Hey. Thanks so much for having us. Yes, I'm excited to talk to you all today because number one, I saw that you both have a background as stunt actors and stunt coordinators. Yeah. Yes, which makes sense because Overrun is a like super like active, thrill-seeking. I mean, it was so much action in the film that like every single second I was just like, oh, I'm gonna take a sip of water, but then something else was happening. Like somebody was getting blown up or shot or somebody <laughs> was on top of the car. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, wait, let me rewind that back. What's happening here? And so when I looked at your background, I said, oh, it makes sense that they would be a part of a film that was so action packed. And so just for our audience out there, um, Overrun is basically a film and a story about for former military extraction specialist, Marcus Lombardi, whose only chance at saving his informant sister and their family is to track down a mysterious briefcase. And then the film takes us and takes the audience on a action packed ride. And like I said before, it is full of action. So Omid and Josh, first and foremost, like what made you create this film uh, overrun? Like how did you become involved in it? Um, and, and just tell me a little bit about that just to start off. So uh, I love how Omid just gave me like the eyes. He just gave me the I eyes know. to go ahead. I, I thought that. I know. <laughs> He's like, well, you'll go first. Well, he's the director, <laughs> so you know. Have so at we, it. So we did a, um, you know, in 2012. I mean, Omid and I. He's like my brother. You know, we've we've um, we've been hitting the bricks for a long time. Actually, when I first met Omid, I um, hired him as a stunt guy on a, a Lifetime movie, long time okay. ago. And uh, we just became fast friends. And there's a police siren behind me. I apologize. It's the pandemic. It's still the pandemic. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> so uh, okay. So, so, um, gosh, so we did this. We did this short in 2012, and you know it was kind of our first foray trying to do something, and it got picked up by a studio, and it just kind of went nowhere. So we decided to you know, put our own monies after, you know, working for a little bit into doing something, you know, an, an original script, by the way, was supposed to be more militant and more, you know, about PTSD. It was actually very serious, not so tongue in cheek, because obviously we have a guy in Daisy Dukes in this movie, so we don't take ourselves too serious. So it's like, yes, there's a lot of action and all that fun stuff. But when we were putting it together, you know, we re-looked at that um, after we get halfway through the original script going, this is too big for us. Cause you know, we shot the movie in 15 days and we kind of wrapped it around and, and we had a modest budget. So we kind of took the old story from Rob Root and kind of put it into this new story. And, you know, to, to give Omid an opportunity to, you know, show that he has the chops to be the, you know, the number one, um, or usually this particular character is a number four, or number five in a movie, but we wanted to put that, get the number four, number five, and make him the number one, right? Mm -hmm. So we decided to collaborate together and, you know, put this thing 
a very simple idea and simple script, kind of like by the numbers, but we wanted to kind of put it together and test our metal to see if we could go and be successful with it. And I think that, you know, at that thus far, we're really proud of the product and we're proud of what we accomplished doing this thing, you know, putting it together. Cause it was, you know, it was a thing when you don't have a lot of money, you know, finding locations and figuring out what you're going to do. And the location surprisingly dictated, you know, what we were going to do and how we were going to do it, how we we're going to put that in the story, you know, how we're going to put, you know, actors that have some cachet and not make it feel like we're just pigeonholing them in the movie just because we needed to sell. Mm. So we were trying to just like make it feel as organic as possible. So it was a bit of a trek for the script just to make it something that we could do. But, you know, we come from like the 90s action films and all that fun stuff. And we thought that, you know, it was about time that we tried it because no one's giving us the opportunity. So we might as well make it for ourselves, you know. I, I absolutely love that. And our audience knows that my co-host uh, Tish and I, we constantly speak about creating your own opportunities. So for those of you listening and watching, you see that Josh literally just confirmed so many things that we preach here on the show, which is create your own opportunity. Don't wait for anybody to just hand you anything and also be flexible. You just spoke and broke down how locations dictate sometimes what you can, can and cannot do and money definitely dictates what you can and cannot do. And a lot of times my I'm an actress as well as a host and my co-host um, she's a line producer and you know we're constantly um, fighting between um, being an artist and wanting to be creative and then also realizing what is realistic what can we actually do and I love that you are affirming and confirming that so yeah. <laughs> I think the, the biggest thing is like we did when we did that short before I let Omid talk sorry oh is when we did the short, I have a motto, when in doubt, newspaper out. So if you don't have money and you're doing and you're doing a story and you know it's like, hey, it's kind of seedy, well, we just newspapered the whole wall and all this and it adds production value. It makes it seem like you had a lot of money, but really it's just time. Just and you're like, wow, that looks really great. You're like, didn't cost me anything. It's wait, wait, wait. Literally, you put newspaper up on yeah. the wall. Yeah, I, 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 it, it's, it's, you should watch it. It's a short that we did in 2012 called Raw Brood. And we did it in one day. We did it for literally no money. Um, but like you couldn't, I feel like you can't tell that it, we didn't spend anything because we took the same time we took with Oberon. And we literally newspapered the whole wall like it was some crack then. And it took, and like went to junkyards or like to trash places and got trash and, and old couches and kind of like decorated that way. You know, when you don't have money, it, it forces you to be creative really creative. And I think that, that is what filmmaking is all about. So your money dictates the box you're in, but it doesn't dictate how creative you can be with inside that box. Mm. Yeah. I mean, going back to what he was saying, um, you know, with, with the short that we did, we basically got a free location and, you know, one of the rooms that we wanted to have one of the major fights in, we both walk in and we're like, Oh my God, it's white walls everywhere. <laughs> boring old white walls. So that's where uh, the newspaper idea came in. And, you watch the final product and it looks like it looks like high production value because it looks like art department spent a lot of time adding texture to the wall where it was literally just two people duct taping newspapers. And <laughs> it looks like a dingy little seedy den. So it works. Um, and going back to what you were saying, you know, creating your own opportunities. Um, I'm a, I'm a Middle Eastern man. I'm Persian. So for me um, to be able to lead a film and show the next generation, like, we can be 
the leads. We don't just have to be, you know, terrorist number four in right. something, you know, which I've, which I've played, you know, whether it's yes. Eastern European, you know, I've played Eastern European bad guys, Hispanic bad guys, Middle Eastern bad guys, but just mm -hmm. to show the light that, hey man, we can play this stuff too, but it's just getting the opportunity. And the other thing that we've been hearing a lot is it's I, the, the character Marcus, it's very relatable because yeah. it's just another dude who yeah. just happens to be in this situation where he's not just, you know, a, a, a slack jaw, mm -hmm. a white guy with the blonde hair and the blue eyes that is the pretty boy, quote unquote, that mm -hmm. is going through this adventure. It's uh -huh. just this dude who just happened to fall into this situation. So creating your own content can also help diversify and, and take the direction that you want to take and try to make a difference. I mean, that's what, you know, you watch the film, we have everything from Hispanic to black, yes. uh, to Asian to Middle Eastern, you know, a couple of our writers were Hispanic. So like uh -huh. everything, anything, our DP is an Armenian gentleman by the name of Gev, amazing guy. You know, it, everything that we do, we try to diversify because that's uh -huh. what it's I, I absolutely love that. And even um, what you guys were saying too about you're taking a character that wouldn't ordinarily be the lead um, and this very like kind of gritty, um, you know, he's just, he's kind of like an everyday guy in a specific special situation. Would you right. agree or disagree, right? Of course, yeah, um, I would agree 100%. And, and what you said, Omid, I loved that here you are, this Middle Eastern man, because I even thought that when I was watching the movie, I said, yeah, I love that. And I love um, how it showed the relationship with your sister, because I also, I also feel like, sometimes with uh, minorities, it's like, we're just like everybody else. We have friends and family members and we, we, we fall in love and we have all of these like complex things to us just like anybody else, but it's often not portrayed on, on film or television. So I love that. I love seeing the relationship with the actress that played your sister and just those sweet moments that you all had, that you both had. I was like, oh, I love that. And just seeing your background. Um, and um, I also love how you spoke about diverse, how, how diversity in all aspects of production dictates. Diversity on camera, and you could clearly see that in Overrun. Um, Omen, I really want to also talk to you about your process and like getting into the role because you both have a background in stunts, and stunt people are like in shape. So all stunt people, you guys like work out, and you're like in really great shape. Yeah. And you kind of have to be. I mean, all of those stunts that you did, did you do all your own stunts or did you have a stunt double that did uh, your We didn't have the money for that. He had we didn't have the time for double coverage for the money. So uh, that's the other reason why we did the movie. That's why when, you know, Josh is a director, you can see that he keeps it wide a lot of times because he can. Because you have performers that you don't need mm -hmm. for and you have two stunt guys going at it. So, A, the... The, for the audience, you can really clearly see it's not just close-up shaky cam where you mm -hmm. don't know what's going on, you know, most of the times because they're trying to cover up mistakes and making mm -hmm. it look better. But if you keep it wide, you have the performers, you know, I feel I'm a big advocate of keeping it wide like Josh is and, and mm -hmm. really showing the action so the audience can come in with you into the scene. Mm -hmm. So then both of our stunt backgrounds obviously helped and he's, he's coordinated quite a few shows. He's second unit a lot. I've coordinated myself and I've been a performer for over 15 years, he's been in it almost 20 years. So that experience really came in um, because then, you know, that was the quote unquote easier part of the process of 
the choreography and doing the stunts because we both had a back on it. It was everything else that was the challenge of us trying to do this film since we only had 15 days to shoot it. Mm -hmm. um, that's why the action has its purpose. It's not just mindless. So everything that you see, it's, it's driving the story forward. Mm, absolutely. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the obstacles that you had to overcome while on set or in pre-production or post-production or production? How much time do you have? <laughs> we made just one. Just, uh, just because our audience, we really believe in giving them like tangible tools, advice, and resources to succeed to succeed absolutely. in the industry. Um, and these are the things first? that people don't talk about. Yeah, I'll go first. Um, so first things first, be flexible. As a filmmaker, be flexible. Not everything has to be your baby. It's okay if you let go of certain things, whether as an actor, as a DP, as a director, as art department, it is what it is. You have a certain amount of money, you have a certain amount of time, you have to get it done, right? So that's the first thing. Um, second thing is prep, prep, prep. If you prep correctly, you know, we prep for about six weeks. So we were on top of a lot of things. We still had a lot of learning lessons and we did learn quite a bit um, because we've never quite done it from A to Z everything us, including the money and, and the locations and, and just producing. So for me, the biggest challenge was going from producer to actor. So yeah. Josh was producing with us in his prep work, but then once he's behind camera, then he had to be director. He had to worry about everything else. So mm -hmm. for me, the biggest challenge was I've never led a film, so I had my doubts for sure. But then mm -hmm. when I wasn't in front of camera, I had my producer hat on. So it was always this back and forth of finding the balance of making sure that I can give Marcus all that he needs from me, but also being able to, to, to produce and, and being, you know, being the lead producer on a film, it's, it's a lot of responsibility. I had a mm -hmm. great team behind us, obviously, but just the back and forth, it's, it's really difficult, but we did it. We're really proud of it. And uh, yeah. So the, you know, the scene, um, the warehouse scene where he pulls up in the warehouse. Uh -huh. So he pulls up, the, so we have a warehouse scene where a car pulls into a warehouse. Well, originally that was supposed to be outside. It was supposed to be this big, um, supposed to be this big set piece, but the location we had, there was no outside that we hadn't seen already. Okay. So I had to take a moment and figure out, you know, because I think the biggest downfall is people don't want to compromise, but in compromising, you can still find great stuff. You just have to meld it to the story you're trying to tell. Mm -hmm. So that we ended up putting it inside because outside we had such a small space. And I was like, well, this is not going to work. This whole scene's not going to work. So we put it inside and made it the mannequin warehouse. And we just adjusted to that. And, you know, to everything else, the movie was a giant, you know, adapting process, right? Because we didn't have a lot of money. So you're sitting there going, well, how am I going to get like in the junkyard? You know, um, the, the two cops, they have to stay away from Omid and Phoenix when they fight, right? Mm -hmm. Well, originally it was supposed to be inside a container that they, the, the, the container implodes. Well, we didn't have a container. So we, I had, we had the, our, our great production designer make us a door and we're like, we'll just shoot this heavy door, make it feel heavy and land it on him so they're working there so we can go to the fight. You mm -hmm. know, it's always, it's always, you know, I feel like being a good filmmaker or being an adaptable filmmaker makes you more creative. You know, again, when you're pressed for time, you're sitting there going, how do I make this work? And how do I make, how do I make these things work in the story and still make it fun to watch and still believable? And it can be a challenge. And, you know, for me, I always look at most first time directors and most, most filmmakers, they forget about the transitional, mm. the transitional things. And I think the biggest thing for us you know, because when I when I first directed my first thing, which uh, which was like a, a little pilot, you know, I forgot about the transitional stuff. And I think that 
um, transitioning from scene to scene is one of the most important things because it helps your pace and it helps your flow. And uh-huh. I feel like if you can get that on, because I storyboarded, we, we had a great storyboard artist, uh, Pete Mikas, who came in and did uh, storyboard animatics. We worked together, you know, for several weeks, just putting putting these these sequences together, sequences together to go. You may we may shoot it a little different, but like it gives everybody an idea of the space and what you want to look at, the line, you know, the 180 line that you want to see. So you so you like you're prepared. And you're always going to change things and always going to move things around, but you have to be willing to do that. As a director, you know what you want your characters to do, but, you know, I'm not a 50-year-old person. I'm not, you know, I'm not a 50-year-old black woman, you know, or a 60-year-old or 82-year-old man. So it's like you bring these actors and you work with them organically. Isn't It is how I like to work. Organically, how these words and how these situations are going to go, you adapt to every situation, and then you just... For me, when on the, the fifteen on the fifteen day shoot, there's only like a couple of shots where I'm like, we need those. Those are the money shots, like the opening inside the bar where I'm following Ray and we're doing the transition from, oh, he's great, he's great, oh, he's a murderer, you know, like it's those that are important. Everything else, you make sure that you can get a good image and you let everything organically happen, and you just mm-hmm. have to be willing to be okay with that and let control go and let your team help you with that. It's a team sport. It's not an eye sport. You know what I mean? I feel like as a director, you're leading the ship, but everybody else's love is what makes the movie. Not just me, not just, oh, you know, it's like, I feel like that's really important talking about like, you know, I kind of went on a tangent. I got on the soapbox. I don't even nope. know what soapbox it is. That's, that's what that's what the podcast is for. It's for all the tangents. <laughs> well, there, there's a tangent for you. Yes, and, and I do it all the time. So trust me, guys. You guys can just be free to be who you are. <laughs> Funny thing, Victoria, the warehouse was never supposed to be a mannequin warehouse. There just happened to be about twenty beat up old mannequins in the little warehouse that we were at next door. Um, because uh, the location we were at, they had a lot of uh, art department dressing, and Josh and I saw the mannequins, and he was like, <laughs> "Creepy as hell." <laughs> no, but it was so creepy. Like I was like, "What?" What's going on? It actually worked really well. And also, who has a bunch of mannequins? <laughs> like, like, who does that? A murderer. So I was like, we're going to use it. Exactly. And I think that um, in flexibility, sometimes the best things happen when you're open. Um, you know, yeah. Oprah has that saying, when your hands are open and you're giving and you're giving, you're also open to receiving as well. So 100%. I think that. Yes, I think that that happens when you're just present. Um, you know, you both have brought up uh, team. You've consistently talked about having a great team because I also think that that flexibility um, and that that willingness to be open also comes with trust. And sometimes when people come on production sets and they're with people that they really don't know, um, you know, you just meet this person and they're like, we're gonna work together. But I see that you all, you both have a production company called Turbo Panda. Panda We have a post house called Rocket Panda. Yes. Omen, can you tell me, well, both of you, but Omen uh, first, can you tell me a little bit about your production company? Because I think that there's something to be said about what, how you all work and you, you all seem to work the same way. First off, I want to know, uh-oh, we lost Josh. I'm still Josh. here. Give me one second. Oh, okay. My phone's acting weird. Okay. Um, so first off, I want to know how you came up with the name and then also <laughs> tell me- <laughs> Uh, yeah, so 
Rob Root, that short is was kind of the catalyst of Josh and I going, wow, we really work together really well. We should uh, come up with a production company. So um, Turbo Panda became official in 2013 um, after Rob Root. So again, for us, it was the next natural progression of, okay, we both come from a stunt background. What do you want to do? You want to, you want to write, you want to direct, you want to produce, I want to act, I want to produce um, and develop with you. So that was kind of the thing and we wanted to make it official. Um, the name, so we wanted to make sure that when you read the name, you either you can put a smile on your face or a little giggle, you know, and I feel like Turbo Panda um, really, really good at first. But originally we were trying to come up with the name and Josh came up with Turbo Biscuit. And no, was, that was you. Oh, oh my God. You remember that? It was yours. Turbo Biscuit. Biscuit. I had the panda on my phone. Why the biscuit? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Hey, so, I biscuit. And then I was like, that's kind of cool, but I like the Turbo, maybe not Biscuit. And he used to have a background of this baby panda on the little seesaw in a playground. And the thing is just leading back and haters above it says, haters going to hate. So... And then we just into Turbo Panda, and it was just this like moment of holy hell. I think we just found a name for the company. Well, I think when I see when so I was like, oh, Turbo Panda, and of course, you know, as artists, we always think that everything's super deep. So I was like, oh, it's probably like you know some type of like Asian, like you know when you think of like pandas and how they they're they're like into like karate and jujitsu and all that. I was like, maybe it's associated with like that. Um, I thought we bear bear. <laughs> I love we bear bears. It's, you know, that came out after we did the, the show. I love that show. It's such a wholesome show. Um, yeah, we're showing our nerd card. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. So Tur Turbo Panda, obviously, it, you know, that was like the initial of what could pop. And obviously Turbo was was part of because like you know i've been a part of a couple companies before that were very stunt related and we wanted something that like had an action feel to it because that's where we come from and you know both of us you know i was chased another thing about the bear i was chased by a bear in colorado like years uh -huh. and years ago so it's like i've always had a fascination with bears in general and panda bear is just this you know and then kung fu panda came out and all that fun stuff so people always yeah. thought that we came up with it because of kung fu panda but i just thought you know, with with that background, it says everything. You know, this is Panda on this little this little yellow thing. He didn't give two shits about <laughs> what was going on. He's just he's just doing his thing. Yeah. And I was like, I like that. Pandas don't care. They'll, let a, they'll fall out of a tree and they'll <laughs> get back up and they'll they'll eat whatever they want, do whatever they want. They'll but people still love them. So yes. why not call it Turbo Panda? But they're also not to be messed with. It's like I would they're never mess with the panda. They're still a bear. They just happen to be very lazy bears that still get what they want. But yeah, they can never be violent. They, they can don't do we all want to be like pandas? Because I feel like I really don't want to work hard. Inspired, I just yeah. know that I yeah. have to. I don't know about you that, all. That level of lazy to where they have to put the food in your mouth because you just want don't want to chew it. Don't want to eat it. Yes. We all exactly. aspire to be that. Exactly. You know, like, we'll keep that on the level. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so getting back to your team, how did you? How were you all able to assemble your team? Because I saw on your website that you you pretty much have like a writer. You um, you both are producers. You're directing. You're wearing a lot of hats. But you you're 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 working with people that you clearly like to work with, and you're creating great work. Because I actually saw one of your other films. I was like, 
Oh, I don't know if it was like a life. It was a lifetime um, Christmas. Christmas. Oh, no, yeah. we, we, we produced that. Didn't direct it. We oh, produced. Sorry, produced it. Produced it. Yes, produced it. Um, and I was like, oh, I love that movie because I have a thing with like Hallmark movies. That's okay. I was, like, uh, I, <laughs> that. I was like, they did that. I was like, and I remember watching that and being like, that was so cute. And the the lead, but same kind of narrative. When I saw that you all produced that, I said, oh, but the lead guy in that. He was very much like an unconventional leading man. He he looked like somebody that had a background in stunts that he was, you know. Johnny. Yeah. Yes, very like, tough guy. Yeah. yeah, macho. And I was like, okay, but like he had a sensitive side. I was like, I love that, and 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 it makes sense that that is part of you that you all produce that because it's like showing these narratives and these individuals and leading leading men leading women in different lights so it may, makes a lot of sense but yeah so tell me about how you assembled your team and then of course you guys did this film um maybe uh omed do you want to answer that question or Josh? Well, my computer's low on battery so give me one second okay. so I'll, I'll answer for omed yeah okay. <laughs> typical omed <laughs> Um, so, uh, our team, we've known most of these guys for a very long time. You know, I went to school for post-production and, uh, in about 2008 and I ran into Brady Hollingren, who is just, I mean, he's the third person pretty much. I mean, he runs Rocket Panda, but without Brady, we don't have any of the stuff that we have just because, you know, he's a, a you know, I'm a technical guy when it comes to post-production, but without him, None of this works. Like he's been with me and he gave up, you know, he was a teacher at AFI, he came through AFI and um, you know, we've been dear friends right right before, like right pretty much before me and Omed were really good friends. Like in 2010, 2011, Brady and I, you know, kind of did the project that I hired Omed on and we just kind of, you know, been doing it ever since. And he's just a loyal guy, very good at what he does, very smart. And everybody else is just kind of, you know, we've been friends and we've worked. We're all pretty much from stunt backgrounds. You know, Christopher Troy and, uh, you know, he's a great mover, great content creator on Instagram and great actor and stuntman. He was our action designer in the movie, you know, and the two Nicks. I've known both. I've known both the, uh, Nick Stanner, who has been very loyal and, and been a part of what we've been doing for a very long time. I've known him for almost, I don't know, 17 years, 16 years. And Benzman, who is a friend of Omid's. You know, he's just, um, he's fairly new to our group, but like we've been friends with him for a long time. And then, you know, Victoria and I were actually a couple, we've been together for, you know, 10 years, a long time. And then Roberto, who is like, God, he's such a hard worker and he's a producer in our company. And I've known him since he was a second AC and just kind of taking him on our wing because he wants to be a director. And he's really creative. He's like the art house to me being Boombo. Like I, I love, I, I love him so much. Like he's kind of like my, my personal protege, and we have a lot of other people in our group. But we've just been known each other, and we keep meeting people that like love working with us, and we love working with them. So we just kind of accumulate to people like minded. That nothing was given to us. We kind of have to eke our way out. And I mm. like hard workers. Uh oh, my dog's about to bark. Bacon, don't you do it. Bacon can bark. I'm telling you, people come on here, and their whole their dogs are here, their cat, their kids. <laughs> yeah. They all they just, you know, it's okay if bacon but right. he, he he's trying to get somebody. I don't he, know. He's on is. the show. He wants to be on the show. He does. He does. Yeah. I almost picked him up and was like, this is bacon. You I'm telling you, people show us their dogs. They're just like, look, my my co-host has a cat and one lady had a cat and the <laughs> This is bacon. Bacon. Bacon is cute. Yeah, I imagine is. this big dog. No, right? 
everybody imagines me with the big dog, but like I got yeah. this little guy because he's such a good dog. I have another dog named Lily and she's uh, a mini Aussie. And uh -oh. she's, she's, oh, he smells so good. I like dogs. I'm not a cat person, but my co-host is a cat person. So I appreciate cats, but I'm just not a cat person. Yeah, same here. Mm -mm, all the all the, the the hair and the, and, the, and whatnot and all that. Um, so let's see. Um, so let's see. I did want to talk about. Um, both of you mentioned how you transitioned from stunt acting and coordinating and being in the stunt world and kind of moving into directing and moving into producing. Um, and then and 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 whatnot. And we have so many filmmakers. I think we're living in the day and age where you you can't just do one thing. Like it's the the age of the multi hyphenate artist, um, it, and the industry kind of demands it of you. At what point for each of you and both of you, Omid and Josh, you can both answer this question. But at what point did you realize that you had to like transition and do more? Was it like a natural organic transition where you were like hey i want to make this film and now all of a sudden you're a director or did you feel that need um i just finished a film with elania huffman i don't know if any of you are familiar with her but she was on smallville and malik yoba and it's her directing debut because she's been in the industry for 20 years and um, and she just said that listen i want to direct now because I've been behind, I've been in front of the camera all these years. And, um, and now, you know, she's, she's like, I want to be behind it. And so she is her, her move was a little bit more intentional, but I've spoken with other people where they're like, I kind of just fell into it. So I'm curious to know, um, what the force was that pulled you all into these various ro roles and maybe Omid, you can answer that question first and then Josh. Sure. Um, yeah, I think, um, uh... The, the short that we did in 2012, Rob Root, that that was a real turning moment for me because um, before that, like I had taken some acting lessons and like I've done some basic acting on some TV shows and some films, you know, nothing major. But after that film, there was just something. And again, our connection, uh, my connection with Josh really helped that because he was directing that. So mm -hmm. it it just awakened something in me. And I was like, oh, my God, maybe maybe I can act. Maybe it's not. I'm not too bad at it, you know, just watching playback on things. I was like, I never really said it to anybody, but in my mind, I was like, huh, that was kind of good. That yeah. Cool. You know, it was you just, are. It was, oh, thank you. Thank you. It's been, a, it's well, it's, I've, I've grown quite a bit uh, since that short and so has Josh, but that's what this business is all about is the growth. So for us, like I said, um, that for me was the moment uh, for Josh. It was before that, but. Um, and then we produced that together as well. And that was the other thing. I was like, I kind of like this producing thing. It, it really like, it gets my mind going. I'm a trouble, I'm a troublemaker. I'm a problem solver when trouble is ahead. I'm also a troublemaker. Uh, <laughs> but, um, we both like problem solving. So that, and that's what producing is. It's, it's all about putting everything together and being in charge of everything. But um, yeah, so that, that was kind of, that was the moment for me where it kind of, it kind of clicked. I, um, I've always wanted to be a filmmaker. Stunts was something I kind of fell into, mm. um, just because of my background. My, you know, my mom was a stunt gal, long time ago. She did it. She was like high diving horse, trapeze. I was just an athletic person. But like mm. when I went to school, want to be a journalist. I caught up and wrote concepts for a couple companies, and I wanted to be uh, a filmmaker. You know, mm. I, that's what I wanted to be. And getting on set was important. So I just 
happened to be a part of a couple of shows where I would I could be a stunt person and learn the craft of stunting because everybody thinks you know you can just everybody thinks that stunting is like hurting yourself but like a hurt stunt guy is a guy who doesn't work so it's all about safety calculated risk and all that fun stuff and making sure that you can do that with all the martial arts training and all the stuff that I'd had it was it was a great intro into being on set because you could do a lot of different things but for me the moment you know, because before I met Olmed, I've been tr- I was trying to make television shows, be a part of this, be a part of that. You know, write, learn. You know, I went to, when I went to post school for color correction, and um, you know, learn cameras, own cameras, try to figure out as much as I could so I could be the best filmmaker that I possibly could be. Because you know, I think directing, you know, the natural progression, obviously for a stunt guy, is you're a stunt performer, stunt actor, then you coordinate or assistant coordinate, coordinate, second unit direct, and direct which is kind of the, the, the journey that I went on, but I also wanted to learn how to move a camera, how to operate a camera, what art department does. And so I was learning that the whole way through because I wanted to be a filmmaker. And I just love the, not just the escapism, but just the, the tricks and the illusions and the things that you can do with a frame. And that's always inspired me to, to, to want to be a, a filmmaker. It just so happens that, you know, we finally, because no one was going to give it to us, we finally were able to put our own money together and go do it for ourselves. Rather than be just a cog, we were like, you know what, we've been doing this long enough, and I feel like I got the gumption, you know, and I directed a bunch of pilots and stuff that um, kind of hit the wall and that were almost good. But were not almost good, but they were fine. But they almost got taken, almost got picked up, mm-hmm. but they just didn't go. And I was like, you know, let's just go do our own thing. And Omen agreed, and so we cobbled together whatever money we could and um made this film and i'm hoping people enjoy it so we can continue doing that and continue diversifying and getting a, you know as many team members as we can to come and play with us you know that's really important but my moment was probably early on like in in high school you know i was always trying to do things with dv cameras and camcorders <laughs> and uh you know i didn't even know the process so learning the process actually helped me so you know i can't deny that you know we love stunts but like being able to be a part of that process helped me and helped Omen, I think, um, become more, because I agree with you. I think I think that if you do one thing, that's great. But knowing, I don't want to say jack of all trades, but I think that knowing as much as you can possibly know, so you can have a conversation with a specialist. For instance, do I know how to edit? Yes. Um, because you shoot the edit in my head. Like you sit there mm-hmm. and put pieces go together. But your editor should be somebody who that's what they, what that's their job. That's what they love to do. You want to find people who love what they do. So I would never want to say, I do this, I do that, I do this. No, I just learned enough so I could be in the position I'm in. So therefore I can have a smart conversation so I don't look like a dummy. And so therefore everybody knows, you know, what I'm trying to achieve so they can achieve it in their specialty. Because I would never want to take away the skill that someone has done 20 years of their life saying, oh, well, you can edit. Well, yeah, but I'm not a 20-year guy like this guy. This guy is much better than I am, but at least I can have a conversation and we know where the movie and where the piece is going. Same with the art department, same with like creating something. There's You want that special thing, but I think that doing multiple things, learning at least, is very, very important. Well, that's that's you know, okay. just, what Josh is saying is we're students of the game. We Students of the game. I'm a cinephile. I love movies. A lot of work in different departments and to understand what the department's needs are, how much time they need, what their process is, just to understand those basics. That's really important because that just makes you that much of a better of a filmmaker because you know the basics of the process. 
so you know that the amount of time it might take or you know the budget they might need that the amount of people they might need whatever department so mm-hmm. being a student of the game is my biggest advice to filmmakers is don't ever think you know everything because you don't it's an ever learn it's an ever changing um, um, game the filmmaking game and for you to just arrogantly say oh I already know it this is my way this is how I did no there might be a better way that might make the project better or it makes it more simple or or, or, or less expensive you know no, that's our that's our method there are directors and filmmakers who it's their way or the highway and they do just fine and you know some directors that I actually admire that are very good at what they do but me personally and I think Omed is being open to ideas you know you never know where a great idea is that newspaper idea I was telling you about came from our DP John who is incredible one of these days I'll get to work with him again I love that <laughs> one of these days on something else we'll I'll be able to work with John but like he'd come up with that idea and I said that's a great idea let's do that like you, if, if you're open and not closed off to like other things it, you're going to just have a better product now there is a limit to where like you know hey too many ideas too many cooks but like there is a there's a line, but I do think that being open to other people's ideas and other people's creative input is very very important, especially when you're you're the director. Because I think that everybody thinks they can be a director. I think it's a very hard job yeah. um, in this in the film thing. It's not like I'm saving people or we're saving lives, but you know you're you're a manager. It's what yeah. you are. You're managing time and you're managing you know ideas and this and that. I think mm-hmm. that it takes a, a particular mindset uh, to do so i think some people are really good at it and some people aren't but that doesn't mean you can't make good art that just means that you know your your skills for talking to people may be a little lacking but that doesn't mean you don't have great ideas or you can't do great things you're probably still open and that's why your movies are great you know mm-hmm. or, or because it takes just as much work to make a bad movie as it does a good movie well i was literally just about to say that like like you just uh, said earlier just because you can complete it and do it and get the job done doesn't mean that it's going to be done well. And I think that that's the difference between, like you said, with your editor, you know how to edit, but can are you skilled in it in a way in which you can produce, you know, edit in a way that is super, I mean, like just like super good, you know? Yeah. Um, and Everyone Hollywood wants to make a film, right? Everyone's all right. about. There's this big percentage of people that want to be filmmakers and and then there's the smaller percentage that actually make the film. And then there's even a more minute percentage of that where the film's actually good and, and watchable. Well, <laughs> you know? Right. Doing it, doing it well. Um, yes. Um, I also wanted to ask you all too, at at any point when you were learning something new, like Omid, here you are as a lead in a feature. Um, and like you said before, you know, you had acted a little bit in some things. Um, and then here you are, you're the lead of this film. Yeah. Um, how do you like manage your emotions when, and, and the same for you, Josh, whenever you got your like big directing role or whatnot, like how do you, how do you manage your emotions in that moment? Because I hear a lot of people talk about, I want to transition. Josh, you're there. Go ahead. Josh. Oh, there we go. Oh, my God. Okay, sorry. What parts about uh, did I come out on? Oh, Lord. <laughs> you're talking about emotion, and then you froze oh, like yes, this. Oh, yes, yes. So, um, one of the things that I 
I see is that everybody, they say, oh, I want this opportunity. I want to star as a series. I'm going to lead as a series regular, or I want this big directing role on this film or whatnot, or I want to produce this, you know, multi-million dollar project. When you finally get it, how do you manage your emotions? Because Omid, you're, you, you said you, you're this, you're this actor and then now you're a lead in this film. And now it's like, it's game time. And the same for you, Josh, at what point, like how do you manage your emotions in those moments? Um, it's about being realistic about things. Um, I feel like as a, any, any, any department, um, if you're a filmmaker, it's about keeping it realistic and knowing that this is what I can do and this is what I cannot do whether it's skill level, time management, whether it's um, just finances um, with the film. So if you can keep the hierarchy of the set to where the top of the pyramid, in this case, Josh being the director, if he keeps his calm, he keeps his cool, and everything's running smoothly, then the rest of the crew will A, respect him as a director, and B, knowing that he is a team player, right? Though people have their boundaries of like, this is a good time to maybe make this suggestion and this is not a good time to make this suggestion, but he's very good at hiding whatever it is that's going on in his mind. Like I know when stuff's going going on in his mind because I just know him as a person. Um, and we may know that there's a moment of, oh crap, how are we gonna accomplish this? Or, oh crap, we're running out of time. But we'll, we'll never show it on our faces nor verbally because it's about, it's about keeping the set calm and cool. Because once you start at the top of the pyramid panics and starts yelling, that's when everything else just falls apart. So keeping those expectations, it's really important. So emotional I mean, intelligence. Yeah, I, I will say, so I watched, I'm a big fan of John Carpenter. Love John Carpenter. And uh, he did a movie in 1982 called The Thing. And I watched the director's commentary of that. And there's a scene where you have 10 guys walking in a room and John Carpenter on the commentary was like, what the hell am I, how am I, what am I gonna do to cover this? Like, I, you know, Kurt Russell, Keith David, all these great actors. And he's like, how am I gonna, there's a scene with a bunch of guys just walking in a room doing this. And this is, to me, a master. And he's sitting there saying this stuff and he goes, well, I guess I'm just gonna have it organically. All these guys line up and you go get the close up of the guy that's talking and you come back out and you let the scene live. And he wasn't like emotional, but in his mind, he's like, what the, oh shit. Because for me, if you notice, so a tabletop scene, is one of the hardest scenes to edit and to do. Because mm -hmm. if you have a tabletop and there's 13 people, then you're crossing line and you're doing all this and you have to still make it, you know, engrossing and you still have to make it work. You know, that's a, those are tough scenes to do because you're sitting down as well. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not a lot of stuff going on. So you really have to engage the audience on what's going on with the words and all that fun stuff. If you notice, there's not really any tabletop scenes in our movie because I sit there and go, I'm gonna avoid that one in this one. And do like a tabletop scene with two people. Or maybe three people, you know? It's when you get to those scenes where there's like six or seven or eight or 15 people, you're like, oh boy, what have I done to myself? So yeah. again, in the script, we neutralize that to go, what's comfortable so therefore we could get it done in the time that we need. We had some scenes where there was quite a few people, but like, you know, I did Kid Show Land where you semi-circle them and you go, well, semi-circle them because Kid Show is like to kind of line up in a line and you kind of cover them this way, cover them that way. So it's like, it's tricks are going, we don't have a lot of time. How do we still make this work without making it feel like we're going to line these people up? And uh, so you just kind of make it organic and you go, this works for this scene. This is what it's going to be. This is yeah. this is the important part of it and all that fun stuff. So the emotions in my head are going like, <laughs> and outside I'm like, yeah, so I think what we should... Uh, Maybe we come over here, we do this, and we can uh, we, we can do the jib down 
and we can get the wide and blah, blah, blah. But inside, the little monkey's going, ah, 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 you know, doing that kind of thing <laughs> and going, all right, it worked out. It's good. So you just have to trust your instincts too, I think, you know, and, and trust that, you know, that your DP is going to like back you up. And, and our DP, you know, he came on eight days. We had a different DP and it didn't work out. So Gev came on and we, we, j we jived right away. And because like, you know, I had a specific, you know, I, I knew what I wanted to do and I knew how to do it. I just needed the help of a, uh, of someone who just, they could focus on, on camera and focus on, on framing. And so that we could kind of like achieve it together and, and, and in a short time. And I thought he did a great job. I thought the movie looks great. It looks like we spent more money than we did. But it's like the emotions to me is always being, um, is always being honest, but, but still being honest, but still like, you know, relaying that honesty in a calm manner because yeah. if i'm panicked everybody else is gonna panic everybody looks to you know the guys that are at top go well this is what you wanted i can't be like i think we should like this and all of a sudden my dp lights a different area and i go what the fuck oh, excuse my <laughs> language. um i can't excuse my language okay. like, i can't be doing that way so that you make that work you go you know i wanted this area but like, maybe we can we can readjust and, and move over to this area you know mistakes are made but i think it's to adapt to those mistakes and make them part of what you're doing and not penalize people for making mistakes, especially when you're doing things in 15 days and you're working really hard. You just adjust to it and go, you know, I wanted this one, but we can move the scene back this way. So what we'll do is we'll come here and we'll walk back into this and then you can just, you can um, uh, pull the flag over and, you know, a pan over the light and then we can kind of make this work. And I think that that is how I deal with my emotions. I'm not necessarily the most emotional person. I have a lot of passion and empathy, but I think that, um, you know, it's really important to accept every attitude that's on set and meld with it and, and kind of just jive with that. Like whomever you're with bacon, don't do it. Sorry. Bacon's like, what's going on? Well, I love that. I think that both of you definitely are saying that, you know, being just being aware that your emotions impact other people and that filmmaking is a collaborative process. Absolutely. So, being aware of that and knowing that it, and it all revolves and works together. Um, so we are approaching the end of our podcast, guys. I know, I know, I know, I know. Everybody <laughs> says we should just go somewhere and like have a beer or a glass yeah. of wine because it's like we're we're just kicking it. <laughs> did you uh, did you enjoy the film, Koya? Did I join? You know, I yes. I, I am it's okay if you didn't. You don't have to say you did. I like no, it. No, I, I, I you know what? Later. You didn't see me in the back, but I'm pretty much like my energy and spirit is in the film now. It's all in there. So awesome. they're going to know. They're going to be like, oh, Koya, I feel her essence right there. <laughs> I'm a warehouse with the mannequin. <laughs> but I do have one final question um, to ask you all, and then we'll talk about your social media handles and where everybody could find can find the film. But we always ask everybody um, who comes on the show um, this, I guess you would call it an epic question, but I'll let you decide if it's epic. Um, how do you stay consistent and persistent? And how do you stay motivated and consistent and persistent to follow your dreams? Because this is a very difficult industry and you both have overcome so much. I mean, you both have over a hundred credits on IM, IMDb. 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 Yeah. IMDb. I can't say it today. IMDb. 
Um, and you know, you both seem like you're very resilient individuals. You've overcome so much personally and professionally, um, and you both have amazing energy and you're still very positive um, in an industry that can sometimes be a little bit yeah. So um, you both can answer that question. Omid, we'll start with you and then Josh, you can, uh, you can answer afterwards. Perseverance, that's the one word I can think of. It's, it's listen, we've both been in this game for a long time and we've done a lot of projects that we're not, you know, <laughs> necessarily uh, proud of uh, that we were part of, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where if you can continuously moving forward and bettering yourself as a filmmaker, as a person, as whatever department you're in, that's what it's really about. It's the longevity in this game. And that's the hardest part. And look, both Josh and I, we don't care to count, but we've been broke so many times being in this business. And we both, you know, we had to at some point quit our day jobs and, and really start concentrating on just doing Hollywood. And that was a really hard step. Oh um, man, uh-uh, now that's a whole separate podcast. Now yeah. we're gonna have to bring you back on <laughs> so we can just talk about yeah, that. I always oh, preach guys, you're not gonna do this to me. You're not gonna yes, do no. this. Listen, I lived in my car, ate a street taco, not from a truck, from the street. Like I lived in my car for a year and a half. Like I, I've been there. I mean, we've all we've all been there. But it's like like Omid said, perseverance yeah. and not caring what people think. You know, yeah. it's hard at first when you get in the business. To, you know, you want to be good. You want to be this. But at some point, when you get your skills, you just hate is gonna hate. You just kind of keep doing your thing. And you go, listen, people who are gonna like me, they're gonna like me. People are not gonna like me. They're not gonna like me. If they don't like my movie, that's okay because it wasn't for them. If they're gonna like it, then great. They enjoyed it. I'm gonna keep moving, keep shaking, keep doing all those things because I love film. Don't love the politics side of it, but love the yeah. film journey. You know, it's like that's just what it is. And you find people that that also love it, like you love it, and you want to be with them. You know what I mean? Like at every bad movie that I've done, which is quite a few, um, I find the positives at every situation. This 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 movie I just did was um, here recently was very tough, very hard film. But there was a lot of positives to take out of it, you know, with the people that I met. And those are going to be lifelong relationships yeah. that will help um, when we're doing more movies and we're doing this. You'll meet somebody and it'll help you. One of the first movies I did, I met William Cat, who played Dobbs, who was the greatest American hero. He's great. And um, I wouldn't have that relationship if I hadn't done that bad movie. So it's like, I say yes to everything. I still do projects for my friends. I still do free things because like it keeps you involved in the community and that's your longevity. If you just wait for things to happen to you, it's never gonna happen. If you're just passive, it's never gonna happen. You have to have the motivation. You're not gonna make it in this business if you don't have motivation and if yeah. you quit when it gets hard because believe me, it's gonna get hard. You might have the best look, you might be the better actor, you might be the better stunt performer, but like, and you're not getting the jobs, well, Tough titties. That's just what it is. It's just going to be what it is. You just have to make it for yourself and you have to keep at it. Got to keep that passion alive. And yes, is it hard to keep that passion? It is. But if you keep doing it, eventually you'll get an opportunity. You know, like Vin Diesel did his movie, The Strays. And because of that movie he did, he got Saving Private Ryan. Ryan yeah. You know, and it just keeps, it happens like that. Sometimes you might look into a place. Sometimes you might not. And you might not be the lucky guy, but you just have to keep working. And if yeah. you love it, I always equate it to theater. People who are in theater just love doing theater because of the art of it. There's not a lot of money in theater. So if you come into the business thinking that you're going to be famous or thinking that you want money or that you're going to be rich, as a, you're going to fail immediately. Because it's not going to happen unless you have that thing. Yeah. Um, because there's people who just want to work and just want to be creative. And if you want to be creative, you got to fight for your creative. You have for your creative vision. And you're just going to keep at it. 
Yeah. And I think it's really important. Sorry, it's my soapbox. I'm done. If you're, no, if you're in it for the fame and the money and not for the art aspect of it, because look, the fame and the money, whether it comes or not, if like Josh was saying, if you're passionate about whatever it is you do in this business, that's what's going to drive you forward. And that's what's going to keep moving you forward. Mm. You know, for me, my goal in this business is just to be respected as an artist. For, so, for me, the most powerful thing is somebody watching my performance on, on, on camera and they get moved emotionally. That's so powerful. Whether they're sad, whether they're happy, whether I'm a good guy or a bad guy, you know, to evoke emotion in somebody is such a powerful thing. That's why I love music because you, it can change your mood like that. So yeah. for me as an artist, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's for somebody to watch me and go, damn, that was mm -hmm. a hell of a performance. Whether it was you know, a good guy, bad guy, nerd, whatever it is, it's just bringing it onto that screen and really taking someone through a journey. Yes. Um, I also saw, Ovid, that you were an Eminem fan. And I was like, that's so interesting because like, like Eminem songs, I swear when I'm going through stuff in my life, I'm like, and I'm like, okay, like I can get back up again. Yes. Because we all go through trials and tribulations in our lives and we all have a story. But at the end of the day, some of us are able to tell that story and some of us are not. And this business, it's its a storytelling business. My favorite thing, uh, before I, I stop talking, my favorite thing is like, like for instance, um, Roberto, our, our team member. I'm all about team members, uh, people that are that working with us, like finding their footing and being successful. Like for me, for me, that is, there's nothing better because like I tell oh all the time, you know, like it's the two of us to start the company, but like, we don't know what's going to hit. Rob might do something and it might hit, but like, I'm still a part of it because right. like I've been a part of his life. I've been helping him and training him. And so is O and like we've been taking care of this guy and he takes care of us and he works so, so hard. And it's like, I want to see him win. So right. I want to be a part of his win. And same with our actors, same with, you know, Brady, same with all these guys that give their love to us. To me, the team, watching them succeed, whether it be with us like together or they get an opportunity and I can just support them from the wings, yeah. that's important to me. I yeah. love that. Like Your tribe. It's your tribe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if I meet somebody. Your success is our success. You know, that's how we look at it. Yeah. It's, it's always, you know, when you're with somebody, I think that most people want to be the guy or be the gal. And I think that that's not me. I, I, I'll get it started, but. I'm always going to be part of that. So it's like, I, I, I think it's important for people to do what they want to do. And, and a real friend can be honest with another friend and you can get great advice that way. And I feel watching other people be successful. I don't know. I get, it gets, I get a lot out of that. Like, I, I guess I was a teacher or something in my, my past life, past life. because I, I just love watching people succeed and I get a lot of, joy out of that so like our team members are getting to the point where I, I they can spread their wings and do their thing and i want to support them you know and like people that i meet people that owe meets that we do business with in the post house it's like you want them to win and they're like oh we like these people i'm like we like you it's like let's win you're like, yeah let's win <laughs> got there. Really all i do is win no, sorry. Uh yeah. come on come <laughs> but i we're, we're going to wrap this up but i do want to say too um i think that Western culture has minimized teaching to uh, 
this traditional classroom setting. And I don't think that that's what the definition of a teacher is. Yes. And so what you are doing, uh, Josh and Omid, you are teaching in the very unconventional sense, but it's still teaching. So, uh, but let, um, how can we find where will Overrun be released? Where can audience members watch it? When will it be released? Let us know all of that. August 17th, uh, wherever you can buy a rented film, Amazon, iTunes, Google, um, YouTube, um, August 17th, it comes out. And then um, my uh, my uh, Instagram or, or all across platforms, it's Omid Zader. Um, his is Josh Tessier. And Josh uh, Tessier. it's Josh, excuse me. Yes. <laughs> I would look at Christopher, Christopher Troy official. He has a, he has a pretty big following. He'll be posting quite a bit yes. for our yeah. film. The, the film itself is overrun film on Instagram and our production company is Turbo Panda Productions on Instagram. Yay! Well, guys, I know that this won't be our last. I hope um, not. Hopefully not. We really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I enjoyed both of you all. I knew this was gonna be fun. I looked you guys guys up. I said, "Oh, this is gonna be a fun interview." So, yeah, I'll- <laughs> it was fun. thank you so much, Claire. Yes. Yeah, so please follow them. Watch Overrun. I know that you will enjoy it just like I did, everybody. And I don't know if you're inspired, but I'm pretty inspired after hearing what Omid and Josh had to say. So keep going. Thank you for joining us. Um, Omid and Josh, just stay on one second after we do our outro. You can listen or watch us every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We love you all, and thank you for watching, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you.